Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. It's wonderful to see you. If we haven't met before, if you're a guest or a visitor, my name's Andy. I'm the senior pastor here, and we do really hope that you feel uh, welcome. Um, I was really aware when Lauren asked those of us that are in transition this month to stand that if you missed the family meeting a couple of weeks ago, it may look like I'm leaving, um, as this is a transition month for me, but I'm not leaving. I'm going on sabbatical uh, in a couple of weeks' time, so I'll be taking most of the autumn uh, off. And, um, yeah, I don't do this very often, but please pray for me. I'm, I'm a bit kind of, um, I'm not somebody who does uh, just confession times. feels a bit like group therapy, but uh, bear with me for a second. I'm not someone who does rest very well. Um, like, I'm, I'm, that's, that's not something that comes naturally or easy to me. And um, so I have put some structure into what the next few months is going to look like for me. But um, if I do wander into your head or your heart over the next uh, couple of months, please pray for me. Um, and uh, pray that I don't drive my lovely wife absolutely mad. Um, but we are looking forward to some time, time together. Um, it's a quick reminder that our services are changing slightly next week. Um, so times will be the same, half nine, 11, and half 12. But the half nine and the 11 will have party people back. So there'll be little party and big party. Um, so if you do have kids in primary school age, we'll do uh, family worship, and then they'll be able to go into the party rooms, and you'll be able to stay in here. So that's 9.30 and 11 next week. And then the 12.30 gathering will be just exactly as it is right now. So uh, we also have uh, Andy Smith, who leads the vineyard in Belfast, uh, speaking next Sunday. Uh, he also oversees the vineyard in Ireland, and uh, that'll be a real treat for us uh, next Sunday. <clears throat> We are going to do something a bit different uh, this afternoon. Um, our dear friend Julie Hoey is going to come and share with us in a minute or two. Um, but before she does that, I'd love to just kind of set a bit of context um, for what we're going to explore and unpack a little bit uh, this afternoon. Um, I wonder who's the most selfless person in your life? You can't say yourself. Um, like if you were to, to say um, somebody that you know that just sort of personifies selflessness. Um, there have been some pretty iconic um, selfless people in the history of the world. Mother Teresa, maybe Martin Luther King Jr., um, Mahatma Gandhi even. Um, if you were to think of selflessness in a kind of historical context, uh, who's the most selfless human that's ever lived? Um, whether you find yourself here as a Christian or not, I think it would be hard to argue against Jesus, Right? Um, like if we were going to do like a, a selfless sort of scale, um, I think Jesus is going to be pr pretty much towards the selfless end of, of that. I tried a bit of a challenge this week as I was kind of thinking about this of like trying to find a moment in the Gospels where Jesus did something purely out of self-interest. That's a real challenge. I, go try this week. Go try and fi find something where, where Jesus acted in a way that was purely um, out of self-interest. Um, I, I find that that's one of the big struggles of being 
parent and being married, you know, like the, the moments where you get to do just whatever you want to do seem kind of squeezed. And um, Chris and Jenny, who just got married there recently, two weeks ago, were here at the 11. And uh, that's always a great conversation with people in the first year of uh, their marriage as they realize that they are way more selfish than they ever thought they were, um, just because they actually live with somebody who gets to reflect that to them. Um, but Jesus, I, I think, models for us um, an incredible uh, vision of what a selfless life looks like, life lived in the worship of God and in the service of other people. The Apostle Paul, um, speaking of Jesus, said this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus embodied selflessness. I wonder tomorrow if you went into work or wherever your normal kind of day is on a Monday, and you find somebody who doesn't go to church or who wouldn't consider themselves a Christian, and you ask them to describe the church or Christians, it's a dangerous conversation, right? But I wonder what they would say. It'd be an interesting conversation. Some of you might be brave enough to do that. Go and find a work colleague or a friend who doesn't go to church or who's not a Christian and ask them what they think Christians are like. And uh, often the answer is uh, judgmental hypocrites. Now, that's not saying that's true, right? We have to be a bit careful here. <laughs> that's just sometimes the reputation. But I always find that really ironic because the metaphor, or one of the metaphors for the church in the New Testament is that we are the body of Jesus. That the job of the church after Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, the job of the church was to be the continued embodiment of the life of Jesus on earth. That's what the church is supposed to be. Not a, a Sunday service or a, a club to make us kind of feel better. The job of the church, certainly according to the New Testament, is that we would be the present day expression of the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus was the most selfless or one of the most selfless human beings that ever lived. It follows suit that we should think of the church as the most selfless community that's ever been. That we're doing something right whenever our reputation, regardless of what people think about kind of the God piece, right? That's really important. But regardless of what those that don't go to church or don't follow Jesus, regardless of what they think of the God piece, if we are being church well, we should be experienced as a community that embodies selflessness, that we seek to be a blessing to others wherever we find ourselves. Now remember, God is a God of grace before you all feel terrible, right? Because we all have varying degrees of success at that kind of thing. Particularly in the world and the cultural moment that we find ourselves in, it's complicated, it's hard. Coming to church, reading your Bible in the morning before you go into your day, and then trying to keep the wheels on is for many of us, as much as we can muster. You know the thing that we do when we greet each other, you know, or when we're leaving each other's companies where we say, take care, you know? Like, you know, 
the best we can hope for in a day is a day to avoid calamity, right? Ever notice that? You get around Americans and they leave each other and say, have a great day, you know? Like there's things to be discovered out there. <laughs> Not for us, no, take care of yourself. Mind how you go. <laughs> but there, there is a, a kind of a, a challenging moment for us, particularly as we seek to engage the world around us with the love and the life of Jesus. I have a friend who describes this cultural moment as VUCA, V-U-C-A, volatile, uncertain, complex, and angry. It's not a bad assumption of kind of the prevailing atmosphere out there. The world we live in, it's pretty volatile, it's incredibly uncertain, it's complex, and I don't know if you've noticed, but people are pretty angry at the minute. And one of the things uh, as followers of Jesus we can be tempted to do is just to shrink a little bit or lean back or out and just, you know, read your Bible, pray every day and hope the wheels stay on. But of course, Jesus invites us to so much more, to learn how with him to demonstrate and live into the continued good and beautiful things that he's doing all around us regardless of whether we find ourselves in a hospital or a school or an office building or in our home this time tomorrow. So I thought as we kind of unpack this a little bit together, I would invite one of my friends who does this as well as anyone I know to come and share some of her story. So would you, would you invite, would you welcome Julie as she comes? Julie and Stephen and Sam have been part of our community for about four years, and um, uh, Julie helps us as a leadership team and as a church. Um, she's she's kind of like Lagan Valley Vineyard's MI5. She, she's, she's like a secret service type operator um, doing all sorts of important work that nobody often hears about. And uh, so we thought it would be really good to share some of Julie's story and what she's doing with us, with you um, this afternoon, because we think that'd be really, really helpful. So Julie, would you just take a moment and introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about who you are and your background. Hi, everyone. My name's Julie, and uh, it's a pleasure to meet you if we haven't met before. And uh, yeah, I grew up, I was born in Belfast and grew up in a place called Rathfra Island on the hill and then moved to Antrim when I was uh, in secondary school, and then went to live in Glasgow. Uh, I lived in Glasgow for about 29 years, and then came back to Lisburn, well, came back to Northern Ireland and settled in Lisburn, two doors down from my mum and dad um, five years ago. I'm married to Stephen. Um, Alan Lewis said to me this morning, what's it like being married to Mo Farah? He's a very fast runner. <laughs> And uh, we have a son, Sam, who is 12. Um, yeah, that's probably, probably enough for you to know about me. I can do the work stuff as well, but we can do that later. Okay, cool. Um, I think it'd be good to just hear a little bit about your journey with Jesus and how, how that began and grew and um, some of those things. Yeah, so uh, I've known Jesus right since... Um, I was born and I've known about him and I've grown to learn and find out more about him to become his friend and to 
realize that that's going to be a life's journey and that there's no end to discovery in all of that. Um, it hasn't always been smooth because any relationship is not um, likely to be that way. But I've been involved in different strands of the church around the world and the church is the body of Christ and the expression of Christ um, to the world. I've been involved in lots of different um, types of churches, which I think has given me a perspective both on the person of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And this season of being part of Vineyard has intensified that whole um, basis for the establishing of Vineyard, which is around intimacy with Jesus and a, um, a deepening friendship and a deepening awareness of the deep love of God um, and how Jesus accepts us where we are and draws us into further and deeper communion with them. So one of the, the words that uh, as I got to know Julie, there was this word that kept coming up and it's a really important word I think for us as followers of Jesus, particularly uh, in, in this place and the word was local. And do you know what's interesting? We talked about this a few weeks ago if you were at our family meeting about the reality, this is a bit sad for me to admit, but it's true that, you know, you can get much better preaching than you hear here on the internet and in your phone and listen to it in your car. The best communicators in the world are available to you for free. And you can download podcasts and listen to them all week long. And you can watch the most incredible worship moments from some of the most um, professional and high budget production teams from churches all over the world on YouTube. Um, on your TV or your laptop. Um, but there's something that none of those things can do, which is express Jesus in a local context. Nobody can out-local the local church. No preacher in the States or on the other side of the world, no band in some far-off place that's coming to you through YouTube can out-local us. And I love that uh, Julie has provoked and led us as a church to think locally and think strategically about how we engage locally and all that kind of stuff. But before we get into any of that detail, Julie, I'd love to hear a bit about where your passion for local came from and how that maybe grew in some of that story. Well, I guess having grown up in a manse and being um, a real part of the team there, believing that I was called to that uh, as much as my parents were called to it. Um, I loved answering the phone. Oh, I loved answering <laughs> the door and I loved making tea. And I loved all that people stuff. And I guess I was used to people being in my home and caring for people and meeting them where they were at. So that was an important part of, of being part of local church. And I do love the church. Um, I guess the other thing is that I've always loved cities and people and the buzz of, of urban areas. And I studied urban geography and the geography, human geography at university. So I'm interested in why people do what they do, why they move. Um, I did a, a placement and a mission um, team event in uh, the Philippines and spent a lot of time in Metro Manila which I loved and everyone else found um, polluted and not a very nice place to be, but I just thought it was great and just full of people and so much um, vibrant life. And I guess too, then I went into working in the public sector in Scotland. So I, I worked with Strathclyde Regional Council, which was 
a huge local authority, 110,000 employees, um, covered a huge area of Scotland and started to learn about how places work. How does it all work? How do the roads and the water and sewerage, that was my first job, and uh, public processions, and I did lots of other stuff around, um, you know, how, how places work. And I guess, too, that through that, then I, I got employed just at the start of devolution in the Scottish government and got involved in what was known as quite a new approach to regeneration of, of places. Up until then, people thought that regenerating a place was about buildings, and there was a realisation that it was about people and about how people experience their life together and the, the breakup of community and wanting to encourage people to become communities again, to heal the brokenness of those communities and build capacity in those communities to be themselves again and be their whole selves and their full selves again. So that was, that was part of the journey. I have also been involved in an organization called Mission Scotland, which was about whole life discipleship and through that, did some work with um, Mark Green, and who wrote Fruitfulness in the Frontline, and thank God it's Monday, and um, that whole idea of bringing our whole selves, bringing um, your everyday uh, life, your walking around, sleeping, eating, uh, drinking, working life, and bringing it to God as a sacrifice. So I guess um, that whole idea of having done that alongside my working life, I, I guess I had developed a sense of the fact that my work was ministry and that it was worship um, and that it was worthwhile and it was something that um, God had equipped me for and had given me to do. But then I um, found out quite late in life that I was pregnant and had Sam and maternity leave came and I got to know my neighbors. I got to take a career break and have some time living in local community and that was, that was really a time when I realized that actually, you know, policy gives a framework at a national level, but actually being involved locally is, is just, well, yeah, just being the hands and feet of Jesus mm -hmm. in that setting. And I guess that's what drew me to here because we have a dream for the city and that was, that was important to me to think about how I would then bring that to bear in my life here in Lisbon mm -hmm. when we moved here. Wow. Um, I, I have a, a friend, he's retired now, but he's spent his whole career uh, making pumps um, for um, Monster Sims Engineering down in Bangor, whale pumps. And he was leading a Bible study maybe 15 years ago um, over in Belfast somewhere. And an older lady said to him, he, he tells the story brilliantly because um, he, he was in his mid to late 50s at the time. And this lady said to him afterwards, young man, are, are you in the ministry? And he said, yes, yes, I absolutely am. And she said, that's wonderful. Where are you in the ministry? And he said, Monster Sims Engineering. And um, I love that, that uh, part of our job as followers of Jesus is to see wherever we find ourselves this time tomorrow as uh, ministry. Um, there's no such thing as a professional Christian. Um, Julie, we'd love to know a bit about what uh, what a normal, if there is one, week kind of looks like for you? What's, in, what's involved in that kind of um, tapestry of stuff? Well, I get up early because it's good to 
spend time with God and spend time on my own before everything starts and then um, get Sam to school and uh, start work. I work for the Scottish Government at the moment, even though I live in Lisburn. I work part-time with them Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays and uh, I'll have a team meeting at nine and we'll be back-to-back meetings. It is very convenient, but there's rarely a break and um, it's hard to find time for lunch but my lovely husband is very good at making scrambled egg and toast (laughs) which is great and I guess the pandemic and the awareness of of our ability to meet on Zoom allows me to fit in uh, the work that I do with Lagan Valley Vineyard, the work that I do um, with the Chamber of Commerce as part of my role in Lagan Valley Vineyard but also the work that I do with the Church and Faith Forum in Lisburn and Castlereagh which is part of the work and ministry that Yvette and I have been involved in over these last few years as part of City Vision. So that's a, that's a forum that brings together church leaders with statutory and non-statutory voluntary sector leaders uh, just to, to look after the, and to, to long for and to bring to fruition the uh, well-being and that, that idea of shalom, that wholeness of life through good mental health and through good public services. Um, so we have built on the partnership that Yvette and the rest of the Compassion team um, you know, augment and work, have been working for years to establish those relationships. And out of that, the forum has, has really grown and uh, we're excited that the focus for this season is going to be on adoption and fostering with Home for Good, which is a charity that many of you uh, will be aware of. So that's really encouraging working um, across different organizational boundaries, seeking the well-being of the city, not just the well-being of the city, but the well-being of of the people in the city, and that's what I mean by that. So, um, yeah, we're just really excited about that work. So I can fit that in around things, and um, uh, then uh, usually evenings are for family and food and some rest and um, sometimes more Zoom. (laughs) There's a wee uh, community farm project squeezed somewhere oh, in there as well. I forgot about that, didn't there? I? I didn't mention that. <laughs> There's quite a lot I'm saying here that I didn't say last time, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I'm also involved in uh, helping uh, set up a, a community farm uh, up on Eden Trellick Hill, and we're also hoping to maybe get a site somewhere in town. Um, that's about growing, growing produce and helping people to... Um, to get better and f- to look after their own mental health through through growing and learning learning to grow things. But also, I'm involved in um, hopefully setting up Lisburn's first ever zero waste refill store. So you heard it here first, and mm-hmm. you can all keep me accountable for this when I get frightened. But that's what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you're interested in that, do talk to me about that. Um, I, I just. I've always been so inspired by the quiet, gentle intentionality in every part of Julie's life as um, from both her work at government to what she does with free time to opportunities to just seek to to serve other people. Um, As we kind of think about civic engagement, that's kind of a jargony term, basically being good neighbors um, wherever we find ourselves. Um, it can be easy for us to just settle for something that's slightly simpler, which is 
like I was saying earlier, read your Bible in the morning and then pray that the wheels come, come on. What, what would you say to somebody who is thinking, it just seems too difficult, it's too complicated, I don't know where to start? Well, I guess um, start at the very beginning. It's a good place to start. Start with where you're at. Um, and that may be, um, it might be helpful for you to think, you know, what's in my hand? Or, you know, if you're not able to get out of your house, um, you possibly are someone who's good at talking to God and listening to God um, and sharing and praying. Uh, you might use social media, and we all know how social media can be used for evil and um, sadness and, and causing hurt and pain. Could you be that active presence that encourages your local business? You know, write them a review, uh, tell other people about them, uh, encourage them, speak well of, of where you live, get involved and encourage those who are maybe involved in things that you would like to get involved in, but you don't necessarily have time at the moment. We often say here, don't we, um, you know, Jesus, what, what, what do you see? Um, what do you say? So I would encourage you in your everyday walking around life, um, particularly, I guess, when you're walking around where you live or where you work, um, to, to ask those questions, what, what do you see? Lord, and what do you say to me? Because that will be different to what you say to Julie or to Alex or to Victoria. So what do, what do, you, what, what do you call me to do? And I guess the other thing is that, that there is a tendency, isn't there, for us to want to do the things we're really good at. Uh, but many of us aren't good at gardening, but we've done some gardening this summer, haven't we, with uh, LVB? And... There's a special calling, isn't there, to do things that where we feel quite weak or ill-equipped or actually not that thrilled about it uh, or not that enthusiastic about it because our service comes from the joy of knowing God and the service comes from that. It flows from that and therefore um, anything can be joyful. Um, Brother Lawrence wrote most of his prayers, didn't he, from peeling potatoes and things like that. So there is a sense in which we, we you know, I don't want you to think about what am I really good at. I, I maybe think I'd like to encourage you to pray about what your passion is or what God's, you know, God shows you when you ask, ask him, what do you see, Lord? What do you say? And I guess there, there are two, two or three very tangible ways you can help. There are lots of business people who need your encouragement, and I've suggested a few ways you can do that. Lots of business people in our church family who could do with your encouragement too and uh, your support. And through that, you'll get to meet other people and you'll get to discover people's needs and be able to um, carry some of their burdens. I guess the other uh, things that you can do is that we're all going to live in a real life experiment called the Parable of the Talents 2021 when we get handed £100 each for those of us who are over 18. I'm sorry to the folk who aren't over 18 in the audience. But everyone over 18 will be entitled to a local shopping voucher for £100 to spend locally in uh, Northern Ireland. So I just encourage you that you you use it for something that you need um, or that you can share with friends or people who you want to support. Um, but if that's not what you need to do, we have 
um, created something akin to a wedding gift list with some of our local, um, local shops. And we've spoken to the local um, organizations that we partner with, and we're getting a kind of list together of things that you could use your voucher for so that you could bless a local business. You could bless a local charity. And that local charity through you will bless someone who needs help. And we think that's a great way to multiply the money. Um, don't feel under any pressure if you need to use it on something you need. That's not what it, this is about. But it's about recognizing that we can multiply the benefit for so many. And the other thing is that we're going to have a tribe in the city center uh, in the shop unit that um, we hope will become Lisburn's first zero waste refill store. Um, incidentally, it uh, used to be used to be Debonair, which Alan Duke, uh, who's part of our church family, uh, was part of. So there's something lovely about that. But we're going to have tribe there and we're going to talk about um, blessing the city. And um, yeah, uh, love you to join us if you'd like to be part of that. Thanks. So two, two really, really practical applications of what we're talking about. You know, one is, like, like Julie says, if you're going to get this £100 from the government, um, if you need it for yourself, please feel absolutely no shame or guilt that you're going to spend it on something that you need. But if, as what I suspect is true, that most of us don't actually need it for ourselves, what would it look like if we decided to use it to bless local businesses on behalf of local charities, on behalf of local people. And we think about the reputation of the church, like if there's around 300 adults connected to us, that's 30 grand of benefit for people in need in, in this community. I, I can't help but imagine what that kind of news item would be like in terms of the reputation of the people of Jesus in this community to say, rather than a new pair of shoes or a night away or whatever, if, if we can go without that so that somebody else who's actually in need gets benefit, then we would just love to do that. So please don't feel pressure on that, but we will be talking more about that over the coming weeks of how we can do that together, and that certainly makes me, makes me excited. And we do have a tribe uh, that Julie will be leading that uh, if you want to find out more about just what does this look like and how do we do this, uh, Julie will be, be leading, leading that. But the final thing I want to say before we pray for Julie and, and pray for you is that um, so much of what we're talking about of how do we live into the ministry of Jesus is not rocket science. It doesn't take weeks of prayer and fasting of God, what do you, you want me to do with my life? Sometimes it just looks like taking your neighbor's bin out or offering to cut their grass or finding ways to be a positive atmosphere in the staff room or at lunchtime and work when everybody's deciding to gossip about that other thing that's going on or that other person and you deciding to just occupy a different space because Jesus invites us to model what his selfless life looks like. Um, Julie will continue to provoke us and lead us as a community in her quiet and sometimes secret way um, over the coming weeks. But we would love to take a moment this afternoon to pray for you um, and what you're doing um, on behalf of us all in, in the community. So will you join me as we uh, pray for Julie? Um, let's pray.
Father, we are so grateful for the Holy Family and that you led them to this family. Lord, I thank you for the dreams that you have put in Julie's heart that come from you and that reflect the things that you care about. And Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you give her the things that she needs? Where she needs energy, would you give it to her? Where she needs resource, would you give her that? Where she needs people, would you stir their hearts? And Lord, as she continues to pour herself out for you and for people, we pray that she would know your love and your grace and your mercy and your peace so deeply. And Lord, we pray for Stephen and for Sam as well. We pray that they would know your blessing, your love and your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Will you thank Julie? Um, I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, and uh, for you guys, if you're able, will you stand with me? Um, I'd, I'd love you, you to do something. Um, go ahead and stand. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes? And I, I want you to, uh, it's um, 1.38, it's nearly 20 to 2. I want you to imagine where you're going to be at this time tomorrow. Hopefully that doesn't make you too sad. Um, but just, just bring, uh, bring wherever you're going to be at this time tomorrow to the front of your kind of mind and your heart. And I, I want to encourage you to just pray this really simple prayer. Father God, what do you see? Father God, what do you say? It's really simple. It might be helpful for you when you go home to put a reminder in your phone, write yourself a post-it note that whatever you spend most of your days doing to check in at the beginning, in the middle, at the end with those two simple prayers. Father God, what do you see? Father God, what do you say? Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to the things that you're doing around us in our everyday ordinary lives? Open our eyes. And would you fill us with courage to join in with you? To demonstrate and live into your love and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, we're going to finish um, this afternoon in worship together. And Tom and Alex will lead us.